Hello everyone and welcome back to The Brink. Yes, you thought we had forgotten about you, but here we are returning larger and louder and better than ever, I think. Not really, we're just back. We've been away for a few weeks. It's just Ben, your favourite host, the only one that shows up every week, I guess. Uh, And we're here to talk about everything because we have a, a weird episode for you today. Again, it's just me, but hey... You're excited because you like hearing my voice. Mallory, not with us again today, but uh, she will be back at some point. We haven't forgotten about her, so uh, stay tuned for her appearance on this show at some point soon in the future. Today, we've got, uh, again, an interesting episode. Mainly, it's just going to be hearing me talk to Colin twice, and uh, we're going to catch up with Josh once. Uh, because we actually recorded a segment with Colin many, many, many weeks ago, which we just have uh, never gotten around to actually airing. So uh, there you go. And we recorded a separate one with him that's more relevant. And then, as I said, we recorded one with Josh. So just a bit of a precursor in terms of what you're actually going to hear today, which is exciting. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's all you're going to hear from me today because, uh, well, you're going to hear other bits. Just, I'm going to be quiet, I'm going to play a little transition sound, and then you're going to hear the content that you're here to actually hear. We are here to celebrate the life and times of a man who has passed away. Uh, Apparently Colin is dead. I don't know why I started with that. (laughs) Fuck it, Colin's back on the show. Hello, Colin. You're dead, apparently. (laughs) Uh, somebody break the news to my wife. I don't think she's going to be very happy. I think she will be very happy. She can go and go get some shirtless buff men now. She's like, oh, yeah. finally. Just have to get rid of the kids Cash now. Cash on the life insurance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to the program, Colin. Now, at the time of recording this, we are both very fresh from a little run that we both did. Uh, people listening to this, it's about a week old now. But uh, you and I took part in a 10-kilometer fun run even though we live in different cities. So um, we're very passionate about our friendship. We just meet halfway in like Calgary or something like that. Um, But we did a 10-kilometre virtual run, the Canada Day 10K, with thanks to virtualrace.com. I don't know what the website was. It just popped up on my Facebook and... We eventually get a T-shirt and a medal. Um, but you you are a, an avid runner. You you run half marathons. I mean, I don't even know if you run a marathon or not. So when I suggested, like, you should do this, you were kind of like, okay, and you whooped my ass. So clearly you're <laughs> you're good at this and I'm still learning. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I try to do at least two, but uh, there's like three major half marathons a year in Manitoba. Um, I've had years where I've done all three, but um, typically I'll do at least the two major ones. So, uh, I mean, in between that, I used to do a lot of five and 10K races too, but like it's so expensive to do the half marathons. Usually it's like, you know, $90, depending on when you sign up, $90, maybe over $100 that, you know, with three children and everything, I'm just like, yeah, I'll do the main ones now. So it was kind of fun to just, you know, do a slower distance, which I I don't think I've done. There's only one 10K race that I typically do per year. Uh, and this is, I think, the first time in a couple years that I've done anything other than that one, which is like I'm a Thanksgiving run. So it was different doing it in the summer. Uh, <laughs> you know, I run outside a lot in the summer, but not so much racing in the summer. It, it's a different experience. Is it summer in Winnipeg, though? Like, are you experiencing summer oh, yeah. as of right now? <laughs> yeah, we we are like in probably two weeks into a major heat wave 
Uh, I don't think that uh, it's gone below 20 degrees overnight in two weeks. And I don't think we've had a single day where our daytime high wasn't like 29, 30. I think it was 33 degrees yesterday. Wow. Um, And that's before the humidity. And Winnipeg is a disgustingly humid climate, too. So it's more like you look at the forecast and it's like 30 degrees feels like 45 and you're like great <laughs> and clearly the so humidity is killing was, your children in the background there as well so yeah exactly i mean i can't take the heat no <laughs> but yeah like it is like winnipeg's actually interesting because we we are known as one of the coldest cities as far as major cities in canada but we're also one of the hottest and i think uh we, we basically battle it out with Moscow year for year for the city in the world that has the greatest difference between our coldest day and our hottest day in the summer. There's like a 60 to 70 degree difference between our summers and our winters. And I think only Winnipeg and Moscow actually have that distinction. That's crazy. I actually read it just on the topic of Moscow while you're mentioning it. I read that um, Ottawa is, I think, only the behind Moscow, maybe the coldest capital city in the world. Um, I think that could be correct. I could be wrong. I, maybe I'm just making stuff up to sound smart. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> you tend to do that. <laughs> yeah, I do often. Um, it's. I mean, I, this is only in my life. I have done. I did a seven k like seven years ago for the radio for for the brink. Funnily enough, our long term listeners might remember when Peter was part of the show. We we both agreed to do a seven k, uh, the city to casino uh, in Hobart, and I walked the whole thing. Uh, and my goal was to do it in under 70 minutes, and I did it in under 70 minutes. Peter kicked my ass in that one. Um, I did earlier this year in Invercargill, I did the Surf to City, uh, which was a 12K. I went all guns blazing. I went, boom, I'm going to do a 12K. And I, I ran more than half. I was proud of myself. And uh, I, I don't have my time offhand. I, I need to find that. And now, third run in three different countries uh, in Canada now. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the 10k. So I, I'll say like, we'll give our results now, but you, you obviously no doubt ran the whole thing. Cause you're, you're Mr. Runner. I ran more than half. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> might not have been completely continuous, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, wh- what was your time? Colin, tell us about your time and how does this compare to your best times when you've done 10ks in the past? Uh, so my, my best 10k time, 10k, I mentioned to you, I think yesterday, the day before 10k is actually my best distance. Uh, which I'll talk about in a second what the difference is when you do different uh, different distances. But uh, I typically, when I do races, I'll place top 10. I think the last one I did, the best one I did, I placed in the top five out of close to 100 runners. And that was like just under 50, 49 minutes. It was 48-45. Uh, again, that was in the, the fall when it's nice and cool. Um, so today I did 53 minutes and 29 seconds, which it, it's, it's good. I think again, we were discussing this the other day. I said, I'm not expecting with like the heat we're having and the humidity we're having to be able to do, you know, my best time. I was sort of expecting to be around the 55 minute mark. So it's about a minute and a half, uh, uh, above what my target was. Good job, Colin. Well done. Um, thank you. I did it in, well, uh, one hour, 14 minutes and eight seconds. But if you look at our uh, stats, apparently I did it in one hour, 12 minutes and 54 seconds. Thanks for giving me a minute faster time, virtualsportsrace.com. Um, but so you, you, you did yours on like an actual route, though, like you ran the streets, I'm guessing? Yeah, um, our house is like the city of Winnipeg is surrounded by one major highway called the Perimeter Highway. Our house is literally just outside the Perimeter Highway. Uh, but there is a route that will take you 
underneath the highway and into like residential areas. And uh, you probably have a similar thing in Victoria where on weekends, certain residential streets are closed for traffic. Like you can only drive on it if you're going less than a block. Mm -hmm. So I was able to run without having to stop at a red light or anything because I did a half marathon a couple weeks ago and it was like, I don't know, a dozen different red lights I had to stop at, which is, you know, frustrating. But uh, this one was like a continuous run straight through kind of a combination of a trail and then uh, very quiet residential streets. One week we have to, we, we bitched and moan the other week. Well, I bitched and moan the other week about your tax system and, and bloody car insurance. <laughs> Let me get you started on your um, road signs at one point. It might be a Victoria thing. I don't know if you have it in Winnipeg. But um, so I, I did my. We have road signs in Winnipeg. Oh, do that's you? What you were oh, <laughs> yes. They all look the same. So. Speed limits, stop signs, <laughs> all of them. Um, I've seen your drivers. I nearly died in a car with you. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, so initially when I first did this I was like there's a running track there's a school near my house I was like okay I'll do the running track and then Mallory's mum was going to do it with me and there's actually a lake like a kilometer walk from from where I'm living at the moment and it's a, it's literally a 10 kilometer circuit and I've, I've walked it before so uh, Veronica that's Mallory's mum was like oh I'll, I'll do it with you so cool all right I'm gonna do that she then messaged me during the week. He's like, shit, I double booked. I'm going camping this weekend. So you shit out of luck, mate. Um, so I <laughs> decided to then still do the the running track just because um, I didn't have an act. I mean, I could have walked to the lake, but that would have added an extra like however many kilometers. I was lazy. So um, anyway, long story short, I did the running track and I, I worked it out. Okay, it's a 400 meter track. It should be like you know, 25 laps. My mass is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. But I actually kept looking at the app, uh, the, the, what's it called? Stevia, not Stevia, that's sugar. Um, Strava. <laughs> Strava. <laughs> Let's call it Stevia. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> please a bitter after ta- taste in your mouth. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm so hooked on Stevia apparently since I'm on keto. But I, I was looking at the app and I'm sort of at a certain point. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, this is saying I've gone longer and I haven't done enough laps yet. So I, I think I ended up doing 23 laps and it said I did 10K. Um, and so I, I calculated that I had run 14 of the 23 laps. So that was more than half. So I was proud of myself because like, I think to put it into context, like I, since I've been here, I haven't really been doing a lot of exercising. I've sort of the last couple of weeks I have started before the 12 K I did back in March, I was going to the gym fairly regularly, but I didn't really train a lot for those runs. And, and that, the, I think the difference is like when you're running a route, as opposed to just doing laps, like you kind of get a bit bored of the laps and it's sort of like, oh, yeah. another lap, another lap, another lap. Whereas at least with the route, I found it was kind of, you got more things to distract you and it kind of, it goes by quicker. And for that 12K that I did in March, I, I went from the beginning to the 6K marker without stopping running. I was very proud of myself. Uh, the second 6K, I was sort of, you know, run, walk, run, walk, run, walk. Whereas this one today, I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna run 12 and a half laps. I'm going to do the halfway. I got to five and I'm like, fuck, I have to walk. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then from that point on, I literally alternated like walk, run, walk, run, walk, run, and, you know, got myself over the halfway point. So that was my goal. My, I didn't I didn't set a time goal. I don't know if you did, um, but I, because I, I, like, I couldn't really compare this to my 12K. My 12K, I was like, I'm going to do this under two hours. And I found my time, I did it in an hour and 33 minutes. So today I was like, okay, well, surely I can do it in less than an hour and a half. And I did. So, But I my goal was to run minimum of half of it. And I, I did that. I'd like to work up and eventually run the whole thing like Mr. Hilding, Mr. Runner. Um, but yeah, did you like, 
I, 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 you probably touched on this a little bit before, but did you at least kind of have a rough goal of like, do you, if you say like, oh, I went over an hour, I would, you know, hate myself for the rest of the day or something like that. Yeah. Like, like no matter what race I do, I always, uh, I, I have different levels because I track every single run I have and I have, uh, you know, if, if I'm running, uh, let's say five and a half minutes per kilometer up to five minutes and 50 seconds per kilometer that would be considered like moderate speed if i'm running under five and a half minutes that would be like a fast speed for me and if i'm running five minutes 50 seconds or over that's like a slow speed that would be like okay you know i'm really tired but i just need a training run so if if i had gone over an hour it would have been like something went terribly wrong here (laughs) uh but you know i i just wanted to I wanted to try and get, you know, under 55 minutes, obviously, but my goal would have been somewhere between 52 to 55 minutes. And I think I landed literally right in the middle of that, which is good. Well, I just, I did the averages because I apparently have a calculator. So your average is 5.32 a kilometer, uh, round about then. So five minutes, 32 a kilometer. Mine is 7.4 minutes a kilometer. I'm going on my actual time, not my stevia time. You know um, you can look this up on Strava, right? Probably, but I like to use a calculator and feel <laughs> smart every now and then, Colin. Shut up. Um, and then, so I worked out my 12K, so my average on that one was 8.25. So if you go on averages, I improved by half mm-hmm. a minute. So go me. There you go. Um, that's, a, that's a win. <laughs> you are currently sitting at 111th. Right now on the 10K yes. <laughs> run. Great I'm, number. I'm sitting at 429 on the, um, the the fake time. But if I go on my legitimate time, I'm <laughs> at about 444th. And I'll be honest, I'll, I'll take 404. I'm in the top 500. There are a total of, um, well, 2,034 people. Is that correct? Have, have signed up? Oh, not everyone's run yet. So yeah. yeah, you have the whole month to complete this. Yeah. So, I mean, we did this on... Great that we did Canada Day run on July 4. So (laughs) (laughs) what were we celebrating? I'm trying to go through this to find out who, um, how many, oh, here we go. Right. This is, it's not a very well thought out website in that you've got to go through it tediously. 716 people have competed it at the time of recording. So uh, you are well and truly in the top half. I am not, but that's okay. Uh, The slowest person, five hours and three minutes and nine seconds. A Natasha Loy. Good for you, Natasha. Like that, that is basically, I think my babies could crawl 10K in (laughs) the amount of time it took to complete this. Um, Something must have been wrong there, maybe an injury. But again, there's a lot of people here. Like I'm looking at some of these times. You've got uh, maybe close to a dozen people who are over three hours. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, th- those are obviously mostly going to be walkers, I guess. You know, that's the other thing. Uh, with most uh, of the races I do, uh, I think my goal is to be in like the top third. And typically I'll fall maybe around the top 25% or whatever. So when this is all said and done, if there's 2,000 people, I just need to hit the top 500. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm well within range right now. You're in, you're in your vicinity. The number one at right, my, at right now is Rory Cooper from America. Boo. Um, oh. 25 minutes and 37 seconds. Now, is this one of these ones where you can actually bike it as well? Like, I, I mean, I think you could bike no. it 10K faster than 25 minutes, but is 25 minutes a, a doable time for a runner? 
Yeah, it is. I, I most of the um the the races I do, like let's say a 10k distance, you'll have a handful of people who can get like under half an hour or whatever. And especially this being a virtual run, it wouldn't be unheard of. Um, if you look at the guy's age, he's 60 to 64, which again, you you might think, well, that seems unrealistic, but. Uh, with a lot of the races I go to, I actually find that uh, the most competitive distance tends to be people, I would say, between 45 and 60 years old. But uh, Rory, Rory Cooper, um, Superman, well, <laughs> Captain America. I, well, this is why I have to say this, Colin, that Rory Cooper is the Britney Spears of the virtual 10K. Yeah. Because <laughs> if he legitimately did that in 25 minutes and 37 seconds, he's a world record holder because the world record yeah. in the 10,000 metres... It's 26 minutes and six, 17 seconds held by Kenesia Bekele of Ethiopia. Um, so congratulations, yeah, Rory Cooper. You are a world record holder in the 10,000 metres at the Olympics and track. Does, is it a different, like, is it different on road than it is in the track? <laughs> well, this is the other thing with Strava that I would think because um, depending on the route, I told you this before you signed up for it. I said you'll, you'll want to try it first of all because – I, I have a Fitbit watch, which is like deadly accurate. It, you know, I'll do this when I'm doing actual official races and it will be, you know, maybe within, I don't know, 100 or 200 meters uh, discrepancy. Uh, and I noticed as I was training for the Manitoba Marathon that these routes I was taking that it was like way out of sync. It was like 700 meters or a kilometer uh, difference. And I, I worked it out as I was watching, uh, throughout the, the, uh, the run that I was doing that while I was on actual roads, it was like completely precise. And then as soon as I went on a trail, because some trails, they take a different, slightly different route than like a major route. And it was basically figuring it in as if you were driving on this road or running on the proper road, this is what it would be. So maybe Rory Cooper and some of these other people here, uh, we're taking some trails that, you know, obviously, uh, provide a little bit of a shortcut. <laughs> yeah. Like it, 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 I would guess that they likely didn't run a full 10 K in that time. Then maybe their times would be more realistically around that, you know, just under 30 minute mark. Well, because according to the IAAF, there is actually a, so this is the one I just looked at was the 10,000 meters, which of course isn't, you know, a world championship Olympic event. Uh, 26 minutes, 17 seconds, 53. There is actually a separate 10K run world record, which is seven seconds slower than the 10K on a track. Mm. Ronex Kipruto of Kenya set that earlier this year, uh, 26 minutes and 24 seconds. So, uh, again, Rory Cooper, congratulations, my friend. You are a world record holder. You are the Britney Spears of the Canada Day virtual run. Well done. Yeah, there's a couple of world record holders here. I think that they're all battling it out. <laughs> well, I mean, like, Mike Hamill is, is within the vicinity of the world. Like, Team USA, Tokyo 2021, sign up Rory Cooper. You've got a gold medal guarantee. <laughs> Mike Hamill for Canada here. I mean, you know, I'm sure he can improve his time by about a minute and compete with the Kenyans and the Ethiopians. Great job. And there's a Tonya Snowball. Is that really their name? Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing that's a female. Uh, if it's not, I'm sorry, but that's the fastest female at 36 minutes, 32 seconds, which the women's world record in the 10K is uh, 30 minutes and 21 seconds. So uh, you're a bit off there, Tonya. Hurry up. Um. But ours are accurate. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, are they? I mean, again, I went a minute faster, apparently. Uh, the thing I was going to say, like... Um, 
So last night I actually went and did sort of a a run, and I I did this after dinner, so I had like had a, had a full stomach of food, and I ended up doing like six laps in a row without stopping, and I actually felt like I could have done more, but I didn't. I was like, oh no, I don't want to, you know, outdo myself. I don't want to get make myself tired for tomorrow. So um, clearly, I've got a, you know, is this a thing? Like, do you, do you need to fill up on food beforehand to give you that energy? Like, is that what I did wrong this morning? Only going in with a keto power bar in my stomach. Uh. It's helpful to have a little bit of carbs, which you can't have if you're <laughs> keto. <laughs> but um, like I used to, when I first started, I would usually have something, and it would usually be something that that was a little bit heavier in carbs, like a banana, which I hate bananas, or you know, a potato, or something like that. Um, but uh, I, I got to the point where it didn't seem to make a difference if I ate beforehand or uh, if I didn't. So. I run on like an empty stomach in the morning. Now I just make sure that I'm hydrated and I have a lot of water beforehand. Uh, but it definitely helps when you start. Uh, there are running gels that you can get, which again are going to be loaded with carbs and sugar. And when I do like a half marathon, I'll get these because you will tire out at a certain point and your body just needs a bit of a boost. And these running gels are great. Like they're extremely sticky. Imagine trying to drink a tiny pouch uh imagine like, uh, I don't know, maybe a third of the size of a juice box and you just rip it open and then you squeeze this thing in your mouth and it's like thicker than honey, but they have different flavors and everything. Wow. And then your mouth is all sticky, but you will get like an immediate boost within like, you know, uh, five minutes or so of taking that. Uh, and those are helpful, but, uh, I guess it just all depends on, uh, the person too, because uh, I've, I subscribed to uh, the Runner's World magazine for uh, about a year, and that was one of the articles I remember reading is, should you run on an empty stomach or not? And it, it just really depended on the person. The other thing is going to the bathroom. Here's a funny thing. Uh, some people have to constantly go to the bathroom when they're on route, and uh, when I do half marathons, they'll have different designated spots where there's porta-potties if you have to go. Huh. But other people say that literally their body, it, it doesn't. you don't have the ability to go to the bathroom, and that's typically the way I am, you know, I could be filled with water and then I'll run 21 kilometers and you would think that I'd be like desperately trying to, you know, jump into a bathroom. But until the race is over, it's like your body's diverting all of the discomfort away from your bladder. There was that Olympian that shat himself, right? Um, in, was it Rio? <laughs> <laughs> Should laugh at the poor guy, but, um, <laughs> I think we all remember that one. Um, I mean, look, I, I, it's one of those things where it's kind of, I, I enjoy it. I think it's a good thing and kind of you, definitely when you're doing it, you're kind of like, fuck, why am I doing this? Like, why, why yeah. am I doing, what am well, I doing with my life? But then you get to the end and you're like, okay, I'm going to get a medal and a T-shirt in the post soon. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy with this. <laughs> now imagine when you do actual runs and you get like half of a banana and a chocolate <laughs> milk at the end. <laughs> well, that was the thing about the, um, the Surf to City, right? Like, I paid about the same amount I think we pay for this, ran longer, and I got a fucking certificate and I couldn't even have the banana at the end of it. Um, I was like, <laughs> you know, some places you get a medal at the end of this, you cheapskate Invercargill people. Um, like, how many medals would you have? You'd have a few, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I do three half marathons a year and then I, I do little races throughout. Uh, Jamie actually was doing a house cleaning the other day and she says, uh, I've got all your medals together. You could take them down to the basement. And it was literally a pile on the counter. So there must be like a dozen or maybe up to 20 medals. I, I basically never look at them afterwards. You know, I, I think the only time I ever broke a medal out was when I did the 
the Manitoba Marathon was rescheduled to the fall because of you know coronavirus, obviously. Uh, but I decided I was already training for it. I would just run it anyways a couple weeks ago. And so just you know, so the kids had something to play with. You know, I, I broke out the medal for a day, and they sort of had fun with it. But otherwise, they just sort of sit there. I want to get a metal rack for everything. That's a good uh, idea. You can get like. Yeah, something to display it but uh on the note of what you're saying about you know you, you just feel like death or whatever um that's what i was saying earlier about uh the differences between different distances uh if you're doing like a 5k you really do have to run all out and you have to have the energy to do it but with a 10k at least with my experience uh, i've had tons of people who get into running and they ask me like you know i can't seem to break the five or six kilometer mark because i just feel like i'm dying and i tell them that Still to this day, even though I run usually 25 to 35 kilometers a week, the first five to six kilometers that I run, no matter when it is, I always feel like death. <laughs> and then your body just starts to get numb to it after five or six K. So the trick is really to pace yourself and take it easy for the first half. And then once your body sort of becomes numb to it, you'll be trying to slow down like today. I realized I was going all out for the first five or six K and I'm like, you know, I should probably save some cause it's very hot and I don't want to you know, pass out or anything. And then once I got to about five, six kilometers, I kept trying to slow down. And then I'd look at my watch and was saying, you're going like five minutes and 20 seconds per kilometer. I'm like, Ooh, I thought I was going slower than that. You eventually just get numb to it where, where you can go afterwards as, as long as your body will hold up until you basically feel like you hurt your knee or your crotch is so chafed that you just feel a burning <laughs> sensation. Uh, and that's the real trick, I think, with the 10Ks is you just you pace yourself just enough for the first half. And then when you get to that point where your body's numb, you can just go all out after that. I'm definitely not running with you if that's what happens to your crotch. Um, <laughs> but I was actually find it fascinating, too, that um, – like I sort of had looked at my app and gone, okay, this is going to be my last lap clearly because I'm nearly at 10K. But sort of when you're, you can see the finish line, like you kind of do get that adrenaline, don't you? You're kind of like, wow, I'm nearly finished. And like all yeah. of a sudden you feel like, fuck, I've got to run faster. Like, and you do, you kind of like, wow, I'm going to run faster. I'm nearly finished. Um, like it's kind of, it's a weird thing actually. I just, I'm looking, so I'll just quickly on the rankings on this website. So I don't know if you've noticed there's like, you've got a category. I don't know why people, yeah. some people have a category. So I'm M3034. Whatever that means. Your gender and your age range. Yes, that that is. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, you're actually being serious. <laughs> I thought you were talking about like yeah. one of those 82 genders on Facebook. Like I'm an M3034. No. <laughs> this is legitimately. I see. Oh, okay. So, yeah. um, judging on that, uh, oh, I'm. I mean, I'm not last. <laughs> it gives you yeah. You'll also get the ranking in your category too. So category being. Uh, Oh yeah, that's what. Yeah, okay. So male I'm. I am fourth last currently right now of all the males, thirty to thirty-four. <laughs> but um, it but it doesn't tell you how many. Like it only gives you your overall number. It doesn't tell you how many in total. So I'll have to count that manually. So oh, funny on on the, the categories. Uh, I like the categories because you can then feel like you did better than you did sometimes. Sometimes they'll break down just the age range and then just the gender. And uh, I was actually quite happy because uh, I didn't even realize he was going to be there. But my cousin uh, showed up at the race. He was running with his son who wanted to do a 5K for the first time. And the original plan was that his wife was going to run. And she, you know, had to, I don't know, drop out at the last minute, injured or something like that. So he took her place, but he was running with her bib. So <laughs> afterwards, I was very proud to show him. I was like, look at this. I'm in the top three in my gender category or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you're also number two among females age 30 to 34. <laughs> <Good job." laughs> 
Well, that was at the 12K in Invercargill because um, I didn't go collect my bib. Like, I'd signed up online and they didn't give you instructions that you had to go collect it from somewhere before. And so I've rocked up and they're all like, where's your bib? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I thought you were sending it to me or something. <laughs> um, so then they just gave me another one on the day. And I'm thinking, I fucking paid money for this. Like, I could have just rocked up and gone, oh, yeah, I didn't get it. And they would have just given me one for free and I entered it. Like, you're bloody, no wonder you don't have medals. Um, I'm looking here. So there have been 25 males between 30 and 34 who have competed so far. And I am 22nd out of 25. Yes. Go me. Again, um, <laughs> it's not last. I know. And I'm number nine, actually, in my category right oh, now. Good That's job. good. Uh, I'm 72 among all males and number nine in my category. Oh, I clicked on the female one for you. That's awkward. Um, oh, there you are. <laughs> oh, you're beating Jordan Pigeon. You should be proud of yourself. <laughs> that has always been my goal. I'm like, forget about, you know, getting under 48 minutes or whatever. My, my goal has always been for 10K. I'm like, oh, I can be Jordan Pigeon. That's all I need in life. That, that's all. That's it. That's exactly all you need. So um, there, there you go. You are doing well. Uh, and just quickly, I want to look at the male, 75 to 79. Um, <laughs> Jean Mentrier, um did a time of 56 minutes and 31 seconds. So he kicked my ass. The guy's between 75 and 79. Good for you, Jean. Jean, I'm guessing. I told you. Wow. The seniors are dangerous in these categories. They got nothing else to do. All they do is run. And the females too. Good for them. There's three women who are faster than me between 70 and 74. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm legitimately impressed. Alana Boyd, Irene Dennis, and Catherine Daly. Like, holy crap. Go you. Go you good things. That's all I say. Um, <laughs> before I let you go, Colin, quickly, uh, at the time of recording this, it was Canada Day this week. Did you do anything? Uh, was it the weirdest Canada Day you've ever had because you couldn't do anything? Uh, I mean, technically, I, I got a good bonus for Canada Day because I got to interview uh, an Olympic bronze medalist for you Team did? Canada. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was just something we would have done any other day of the week. But... Uh, <laughs> Other than that, I think it hit noon, and I'm like, oh, it's Canada today. Maybe I should put on a Canada shirt. <laughs> so I wore a Canada shirt and interviewed an Olympic bronze medalist, and that was pretty much it. Did you eat, like, a maple syrup-covered something or listen to Brian Adams or Actually, something? We ordered pizza and played Star Wars Episode One ah, Racer on the Nintendo Canadian. Switch. <laughs> so, great Canadian activities. Fantastic. Well, I saw that screenshot that Jamie put on there. It's been a long time since I'd seen that game. So that's um, that's awesome. Colin, always fun and uh, well done at running. You are good. I am not. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I will go enjoy a bunch of carbs to help me recover and you will not. <laughs> So much do we love this man that you were going to hear from him twice in the same episode because mainly I've been lazy and haven't done a Brink episode in a while. So therefore, a segment we recorded weeks ago, you just heard, and now you're going to hear a brand new one, which is more relevant to the times we live in because the world has gone to shit again. Colin Hilding is back. Play that Canadian anthem again. Colin, are you taking a kneel as I play that anthem? Uh, no, but I am uh, currently finishing my 10th 10K run <laughs> since the last time we did a 10K run. Yes, uh, people just heard our segment about our 10k run. I think did we record that the day of doing that, and now it was, yeah. And my life. medal and t-shirt <laughs> just came. That's how long it's been. Mine hasn't. So thanks, Canada Post. Um, so much has happened since we last spoke that people heard of all of two minutes ago. That hockey season is back. <laughs> <laughs> the playoffs, uh, sort of, are here. 
Now, at the time of recording this, we've had one day of playoffs. We've had some interesting results. Calgary won, Winnipeg lost, and Toronto play today. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, the hockey's back. Is it exciting for you? Are you happy that they're finally back? Yeah, it is. And, uh, I mean, a couple observations I made. One is I don't know if there's just arena noise from crew or other players or if they're actually piping in crowd noise but to me it doesn't feel any different like i mean i'm hearing i'm thinking that they have some type of you know audience noise that they're including because i know that in baseball they're trying that out with uh, even cardboard cutouts in the stands and everything but watching it didn't feel any different from not having i mean a little bit different because you don't have like a big eruption from a crowd but it also wouldn't really be appropriate because uh nobody's really playing on home territory except for two teams um but uh I, i'm still very hesitant to think that this is going to go well because <laughs> i think uh one of the baseball teams had something like 12 positive tests in a day yep. yeah and obviously you know they're in ontario they're in alberta and those are not provinces that are doing great <laughs> right now with covid uh so i i have a feeling that some some teams are going to go down by default by the end of this playoffs but it's great to have it back and I, it probably took me uh up until now the second day of the playoffs to actually figure out the playoff rules. So <laughs> that's the exciting part. I think I've wrapped my head around how everything's working. I think the thing you're talking about, like the noise and the atmosphere, they, they did say that they were planning on uh, injecting some sounds in. And I think at least I know in the Calgary game, they had sort of the big screen and they actually kind of had like people on zoom calls or something like that, cheering them on. And I know that a lot of the teams, they were kind of getting recordings of chants from stadiums and that sort of stuff. So I don't know again, if that's all just for TV or they're hearing them in the arenas, but Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Like I, I was watching it last night with Mallory's dad and out of all the sports I've watched since this COVID situation that have come back and they've, they've tried to, I guess, replicate crowds. This is the most seamless. I mean, Formula One is different just because you don't generally hear the crowd on Formula One. So Formula One kind of feels the same. Um, Whereas like watching Australian football is odd because when they put the sound effects in, they don't time it right often. So like that kick a goal and then there's kind of a three second delay before you hear the crowd cheer. Um, Although having said that, some stadiums are starting to get certain amounts of crowds back now in different States. Um, I've seen a few of the baseball ones that just feels odd. The basketball feels odd because they're not even trying with that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like there was something about the hockey that it just made it feel very normal. And that's a, that's a good thing. And it's it's interesting your point about kind of how it's going to be with COVID and stuff, because I think the key difference with baseball is that baseball literally are still traveling to their home grounds. Like they're yeah. still going on planes. And like, I mean, the, the Blue Jays had to have their home in uh, Buffalo basically. Cause Toronto wouldn't have them, but like they're stupid enough to still travel. Oh, but we'll be fine. Whereas <sighs> at least with the NHL and the NBA too, that they're, they're in such a lockdown in their little hubs that I think even if you've got one, they're just going to, they're going to shut it down straight away. We've had it in formula one this week, a formula one driver got it. They've shut him down straight away and no one else has gotten it. So I think that is, I think will be the difference if any of these players do get it. Well, when, when a player does get it though, it's going to depend on who the player is and how much that's going to affect the team because we're in a playoff situation. And I, I remember, um, a couple of years ago, uh, when uh, Tampa Bay had Steve Stamkos, who is you know, arguably the greatest player in the NHL, regardless of which team it is, and he missed almost the entire playoffs, and uh, you know, arguably that's the reason that they didn't win that year. Um, so you take a major player out, and what's going to happen? I mean, the the game that you probably watched last night, Calgary and Winnipeg, 
it wasn't COVID, but there were two injuries to the two top players of Winnipeg. And I, I would be shocked if Winnipeg was able to win any more games without their two top players. So when you're taking a player out, if you do get one player who, you know, uh, does test positive, two weeks, you know, for a lockdown, let alone if that's even their recovery time, maybe they get hit harder and their recovery is even longer than that. Uh, that's pretty much it for them. That could mean an entire round. So it's the same thing we get when this person gets injured mm. in the playoffs. But I think we're increasing the risk of injury, in this case, the injury being the sickness. Uh, I, I really do hope they have like extreme lockdown procedures. Like, you know, you're, you're locked in a dressing room in the arena <laughs> and nobody else is allowed in there. And you have to watch the Maple Leafs play as punishment. <laughs> did, I mean, you saw that game. Did you think to Chuck deliberately uh, injured the... No, uh, like, oh... People, I, and it's again, crazy I'm, that people are saying this. I'm glad you're not. I'm glad you're on that opinion because it was bullshit. It wasn't deliberate. That is a Winnipeg thing. Winnipeg are. I, I'm sorry to say this, being from Winnipeg, but Winnipeg are the biggest crybabies when it comes to <laughs> hockey. Uh, I, I'm telling you, when they played, um, what was it Vegas? When they lost to Vegas in the conference finals a few years ago. Everybody in Winnipeg was spreading all these stories about how there was a conspiracy in Vegas and they were shutting the power off in them on the middle of practice. And it was all, you know, this big government conspiracy. I'm like, Winnipeg can't just lose and let it be a loss because <laughs> I, I, I rewound because I missed the hit or I saw the hit, and, you know, didn't pay close attention. So I rewound and watched it a couple of times. And it barely looks like he touched him. And then they keep talking about how his skate got stuck behind one leg. And that's what he injured the leg. I'm like, well, he didn't hit him in the leg. I think this is just a hockey thing. You know, everybody hits somebody and maybe somebody takes a bad hit, but it's very rarely the fault of the person hitting, <laughs> if, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Jamie just texted me. She can hear me upstairs. So true. Winnipeg are sore losers. So there you go. <laughs> Confirmation for another Winnipeg. Uh, the only time I, I really remember an intentional hit was uh, maybe about 15 years ago. There was a Vancouver player. Of course, it was Vancouver. Uh, yeah. Todd Bertuzzi. You remember this? I've heard the name. Yep. Yeah. He he went up when there was no play going on. Like it's literally a halt in play. And he goes up and basically axe handles a man in the head from behind. Like <laughs> it, it was a cheap shot when there was no play. And that guy ended up paralyzed. So wow. that is an intentional hit. This was two guys hitting the boards. It's no different. It just so happened that one guy got injured out of it. So, yeah, the Winnipeg sore losers. There you go. Source from Winnipeg. You are the Australia of the NHL. We're very much <laughs> the same when we lose in sport. It's the umpires were bad. Like, the yeah. you know, the ground was off. Like, we're, we're renowned, particularly in, like, cricket, for never just accepting oh. loss. Like I remember just... the first playoffs that Winnipeg Jets had uh, since coming back. They played the Anaheim Ducks. And they lost four games straight. I remember, after, I remember that very well. Yes, of course I yeah. did. <laughs> and, and the fourth game, after it was over, I heard so many people saying, oh, we got screwed on a call in that game. I'm like, really? You got screwed on one call in one game? What's the excuse for the other three losses back to back? We did not win one game. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that was the year that uh, Anaheim then went on to beat Calgary in the second round. And then we lost to Chicago. Chicago in Chicago the... Chicago um one of the numerous <laughs> which... times that Anaheim have lost in the conference finals in the 2010s which uh, how embarrassing is it that Chicago won a game by a wide margin which yesterday I was fascinating and I actually the because hockey night in Canada great thing my first uh, experience of it last oh, night wonderful. so uh, I was watching the closing stages in of the the Montreal Pittsburgh game and that was great because Montreal mm -hmm. won that in um, OT 
And, like, I have nothing against Pittsburgh. They're not a side that I really have overall many feelings of. I I, I appreciate Sidney Crosby. Good for him for being Sidney Crosby. Bree, apparently that's his name. I've <laughs> stood outside their arena, the PPG Paints Arena. It looks nice. Good for Pittsburgh. But it's definitely a side. They've won it enough in the last 10 years. I'm over them winning. And Montreal, I like Montreal. I like the Canadians. I've been to a game, all that sort of stuff. So I was I was actively cheering for Montreal. So that was kind of a fun moment last night. But um, the point is, yes, you were right, like Chicago and Montreal. Maybe the two sides of people are arguing, well, this is crap. They shouldn't be there. And sure enough, they've both the 12 seeded teams beat the fifth seeded team, and one of them was also Edmonton, so that was great. So, uh, I mean, it's this well, is the fun of the playoffs, isn't it? I mean, it happened last year with Columbus against Tampa Bay. It, it happened with Colorado against Calgary. I mean, things like this can happen. Yeah, I, I honestly believe this is going to be the one year where the regular season has no bearing on the result. Because if you think about it, we are from mid-March until now, so that's... Uh, over four months of a layoff yeah. the regular season if you if you include the end of the stanley cup playoffs until the next regular season regular seasons don't have that long of a gap in between so this essentially is a new season um i, I don't think that you know we're gonna have a lot of similarities to what the rankings were during the season i think there's gonna be a lot of surprises like this chicago does surprise me just because i remember a couple of years ago when chicago was winning everything and yeah, everybody jumped behind Chicago like, oh, this is the greatest team ever. And I was watching the time thinking this isn't a team who's planning for the future. They've stacked their roster with a bunch of big name players and they'd have no development talent. And now a couple of years later, it's caught up to them where you've got a bunch of guys in their 30s who are great players, but you don't have a next generation. So you're starting to drop off uh, there. We haven't really had the opportunity for you know new acquisitions and trades and everything, but the teams are not riding any momentum that they would have been riding back in February and March. And the teams who were, you know, completely cacking back in March, it's a new lease on life. You know, <laughs> they've had yeah. a layoff. They've been able to get out golfing and, uh, well, virtual golfing, whatever it is they've been doing. We golf. <laughs> yeah, we golfing. And they've got they've got a whole new game. How are you feeling about Toronto then? Uh, I mean, at the time of recording this, they're playing their first game against Columbus today. You're you're in a very similar situation to Calgary. It's eight versus nine. So on paper, should be the most even matching. But of course, as you were saying there, it's it's a different beast almost now. But uh, I mean, how are you feeling? Toronto, the good news is you can't lose in game seven in this round. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there is no game seven. Um Honestly, I don't think that uh, there are any predictions that can be made anymore, especially after watching how day one went. Uh, I'm hopeful, you know, because Toronto's had a consistent team. You know, we haven't had the greatest team in history, but we've consistently made the playoffs. I keep saying we, even though I'm not from Toronto, just so people know I'm not from Toronto. Uh, my team, Toronto, consistently made the playoffs year after year after year. Uh, they had a massive turnaround. They've got a very young roster. So uh, these guys are going to recover quickly. In fact, Austin Matthews already has recovered quickly from COVID. He beat Corona. He's the yeah, Tom there Hanks of the NHL. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they, they have that going for them. You know, the, the layoff, I don't think, is going to hurt them as bad. But you really are just guessing at this point because it's it's there is no consistency from, uh, <laughs> you know, even the last month of play till now it's it's a completely different game uh who knows maybe half of these guys would you know have won the stanley cup uh on uh, what was the last place team 
uh, of what the last place team of what the the conference uh, or the last place team in the NHL back in March. Oh, isn't it Detroit? Detroit or Buffalo? Detroit, or, okay, so probably or Chicago. <laughs> One of these teams that is not even in it. Like that's the crazy thing is that you could have brought all these teams back and you could have had a Detroit or you could have had a Buffalo in this you know uh, twenty four round and they could have gone on to win the whole thing. Uh, it was definitely Detroit. Uh, they were 31st, uh, a win percentage of 0.275, uh, just below Ottawa, uh, the only well, Canadian team. Poor Ottawa. Every Canadian team Ottawa. made it except for Ottawa. <laughs> no four-and-a-half-month layoff would have helped Ottawa. We know that. <laughs> a fun fact I read um, that it's the first time in, like, 20 years or something like that that no Californian side has made the playoffs. So huh. uh, an interesting one. The other – I mean, so just quickly uh, for people who are – I think we did discuss it briefly about how it would play out. So, yeah, they've kind of got these qualifying rounds. There's 24 teams in total. So the top four teams in each conference are playing in a round-robin seeding. Basically, they play each other once, and uh, whoever finishes first gets the number one seed in the proper playoffs, number two, number three, number four, so on and so forth. So the Eastern Conference, you've got Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, Philadelphia. The Western Conference, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas, all the regular customers there. And then the other ones playing a best-of-five series qualifying round for them to enter the first round of the playoffs, which I then find interesting that the eight losing teams in this qualifying round, one of them gets the number one draft pick because in the draft lottery, the team that got the number one pick was a losing qualifying round side. So, Colin, Toronto could technically have made the playoffs, get eliminated in game five, and get the number one draft pick. So, you never know. Even better for Toronto. Which is, it's, it's an interesting thing. But the the matchup, so yeah, at the time of recording, this Montreal beat Pittsburgh in the first one. Carolina beat the Rangers. Uh, the Islanders beat Florida because the Panthers made oh. the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chicago beat Edmonton and Calgary beat Winnipeg. So the ones today, uh, all the talk of the town here in Victoria, Vancouver versus Minnesota, of course. Uh, Nashville versus Arizona, traditional rivals at it again. And uh, Toronto versus Columbus. I mean, Nashville versus Arizona. I mean, do you have a soft spot for Arizona because they were originally the Winnipeg Jets or you just don't give a shit about them? Like everyone uh, else. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I think I always, you know, in the back of my mind, root for Arizona because of the Jets connection. More so now because uh, one of my favorite players in the NHL, Phil Kessel, is uh, on the Arizona Coyotes. So uh, I'm, I'm actually recording that game right now, even though I can see the score at this moment. Uh, they're doing well, I'm guessing, because of Kessel. See, Phil Kessel, it, let me just quickly fill it in. Uh, he did play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is the reason that he kind of got on my radar. But this is... Uh, one of the only players in NHL history, there are only, I don't know, something like 20 players in NHL history, 100 years or whatever, who have played more than 500 consecutive games. Now, he's in the 900s now. Wow. Phil Kessel's played over 900 games, and he had testicular cancer in his first season. So this guy played through cancer treatments, never missed a single game in his entire NHL career. That's a guy you got to get behind. That's a guy who's got balls. I mean, he might not. He's got I mean, balls. Whether he doesn't or not, I mean, Jesus, that, that's incredible. It's, it's, it's actually, The one thing I do appreciate, though, about kind of this 24-team format, like, you know, Montreal, Chicago, maybe shouldn't be there, but in all seriousness, like, to see a team like Arizona be in the playoffs again, to see Florida, I mean, Buffalo, I've always got a soft spot for, like, these teams who I guess kind of are always, oh, they should relocate, they suck, they'll never win. Um, yeah. You know, I was glad to see St. Louis win last year. You know, Washington, teams that don't have much success to finally break through. So I, I like Arizona, all jokes aside. 
Uh, I, I, I like the Predators. They're kind of another side, which I've always had. I mean, even like the Vancouver-Minnesota matchup, like living here, uh, you know, I've, I, I do honestly have a bit of a soft spot for the Canucks. I will be honest there. Um, but I also like the Wild, and I'm sure you would have a bit of a connection to Minnesota given that they're technically the outside of Winnipeg. That'd be the closest team for you to, yeah. to go and support. So, I mean, there's not really teams outside of Tampa Bay uh, that I completely dislike in these playoffs. So eh, Edmonton, yeah. I guess. You know, I meant to not like them, right? Chicago. Chicago. I mean, look, I've got a soft spot for Chicago as a city and their sporting team. So I don't mind the Blackhawks, but based on my uh, algorithm of not liking teams that have won a lot recently, yeah, them. But I mean, like, like Boston, who likes the Bruins? Um, Philadelphia, the Flyers, eh, you know. Uh, Dallas, eh, yeah, I just they're just meh teams. I don't I, I don't dislike or like them, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it could be worse. It could be Detroit. Uh. Fuck Detroit. <laughs> God, I'm so glad they're the worst team. I, I mean, I'd love to see Tampa Bay get swept out again as well. Screw Tampa no! Bay. <laughs> Screw the Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the year that they win it. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, outside of this, um, anything interesting happening in Winnipeg, Colin? Um, uh, well, Nothing, we're I don't at, know. Uh, yeah, we're at phase four now of reopening. Congratulations. Uh, which has actually gone well. I mean, especially when you consider Winnipeg being our biggest city, you know, 750, 800,000 population. And there's maybe two cases active in Manitoba. We've had a big spike since this reopening, but it's had more to do with the travel than anything else. Actually, there was something like um, 13 cases announced in one day, which was the highest we've had since March. In Winnipeg, and yet twelve of those were all in one Hutterite colony. I don't know if you know what Hutterites are, but uh, um, it's is it an indigenous colony or? Uh, no, but uh, I mean a colony. We'll just call it that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's you know all one small colony and twelve cases of that, and that's what seems to be popping up now more than anything is just these very small communities where it's spreading to everybody. Major cities, it's still Winnipeg. It's it's an anomaly. You you can't make any sense out of why we're doing as well or Manitoba as a whole, why we're doing as well, because Saskatchewan, like I guess you could say, well, who's going to come to Manitoba, but Saskatchewan, which even more so who's going to go to Saskatchewan <laughs> has the highest per capita in the entire country. I think they're, they're technically higher per capita than even Florida wow. for positive cases. And that's Saskatchewan. But I mean, the Saskatchewan. Let's, let's <laughs> be honest. That's just Trudeau has got a secret plan there to wipe them out, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, Nobody yeah. wants Saskatchewan as part of Canada, so yeah. this is the plan. <laughs> Clearing the trash, basically. I mean, it's it's a similar thing here because I mean, like, I think BC had the the strongest measures of anywhere, basically, and that's kind of why it's it's gone very well here. But um, we had a, a a Canada Day outbreak in Kelowna, and then basically these people went to Vancouver, and some came across here to the island because I think Vancouver Island went like six weeks without anything like nothing at all um so we had a few but um it, i mean the thing that's very interesting here like restrictions are generally easing we're not i think at phase four i think we're still at number three but like for example like you can freely just get on a ferry and go to vancouver and then come back like i think you've got to wear a mask on the ferry like i'm going to vancouver in about three weeks funnily enough so kind of it's going to be interesting people's views are why are you going to vancouver you shouldn't be doing this but like vancouver's done pretty well for a city of its size um, yeah. You know, they've still got cases, of course they do, but it's nothing like what's happening in Montreal or Toronto or even, you know, Alberta, basically. So mm. um, it, it's it's interesting. It's kind of... And this is the thing I think I said at the very beginning when you and I first talked about this months ago is that it's just such a Canadian way of life where, like, you've had no 
at least here in BC, there's been no complete strict stringent lockdowns. Like you must do this. You must do that. Yeah. It's more of a, please do this and yeah. this will help us. And everyone's like, okay. And they yeah. just do it. <laughs> so, it's, it's such a Canadian way of life. Except in Winnipeg, where you find some reason to complain about it behind somebody's back. Yeah. That's just Winnipeg, <laughs> friendly it's funny, Manitoba. It's funny hearing you say, like, stage four, and that's a good thing. In Victoria, the state in Australia, they've been getting, like, 800 cases a day, like in Melbourne, and it's just it's, it's gone. Everyone in Australia is fine, except for Victoria. So, basically, they, as in the last 24 hours, have entered level four, which is full-on New Zealand scale of lockdown. Like, you cannot leave your house. Uh, there is a complete citywide curfew between, like, eight and five, and this is going to happen for, like, six weeks. So, uh, I, I bet you Victoria, Australia, is wishing that they were at level four Canada style, probably, right now. It's, it's definitely an equator thing, where beneath yeah. the equator, everything, like, the water flows the other way down the drain so yeah yeah reopening and uh closing down have opposite meanings it does indeed colin uh so good is it to have you on twice this episode uh that i'm sure next time we'll have you on three times because we might have done another 10k is, are there any other these other 10ks that are coming up that we should be keeping an eye on or uh well you'll get it in the mail but uh they send this coupon for 15 percent off your next race and they've oh. got Tons of different virtual runs that go on, different types of themes and medals. So I think we need to look this up when you get your coupon and pick the next one. If I ever get my bloody coupon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, at this rate, I'll get one for Canada Day Run 2021, I think. So um, <laughs> I'll keep an eye on it. Colin, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And go anybody but Chicago. This gentleman is back and everybody celebrates. Play Jesus music. Jesus is still all right with Josh. Hello, Josh. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? It's I'm I'm good, thank you. It always baffles me to think that uh, we play that song for you as an introduction when generally you're the one who talks about the most controversial stuff on this show. So go up. Oh, 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 oh! You ready for controversy? Oh, bring it. Go for it. Uh, I have a question. Okay. This is just a general question. All okay. right. Okay. Okay. Yep. I'm going to ask you. Give me your honest answer. All right. Can black people be racist? Yes. Because apparently they can't. (laughs) Uh, Of course they can. Anyone can be racist. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. And uh, anybody who says otherwise is wrong. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree. With you. I think that that's enough controversy for. That, I mean, it's 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 simple <laughs> logic. It's it's I I don't buy into this. Oh, if you're in the majority, you can't be racist. Well, that's completely wrong. Yeah, well, that, yeah, no, well, that's the thing though. I I, I got minority. To, like, sorry, I, if you're in the minority, you can't be racist. Apologies, other I, way around. I I I, I like getting into into discussions mm-hmm. on social media because that's me I, I i see something okay i'm gonna ask a question because why not asking questions is what i do yes and so this one person put up this post and there's a local site down here about um this person who apparently was racist because he said these indigenous children were on drugs so that's all he said okay Okay, so the guy observed, the person who put this post up observed these children who happened to be indigenous on drugs. Right. He saw it. Okay, so the, like, statement of fact, that's all it was. He got attacked for being racist, and there was this one person on there who was 
probably leading the charge. And I, I said, look, do you acknowledge that racism goes both ways? Like, like, like Aboriginals can be racist to white people, white people can be racist to Aboriginals. Both you lot can be racist to Chinese people. It ha- like there, there's this there's a continuum that keeps going on. And he's like, no, we learnt racism from from the white man, and we're only like this because we're angry with the white man, and I'm always being followed in in shopping centres and blah blah blah, like all this stuff, right? And I just like, mate, okay, I agree with you, racism's bad, but black people can be racist to white people. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm offended. Minute they said that, I oh, know there's no rational thinking. Like, if you if you just if, if I'm gonna go look, statement of fact, oh, I'm offended. Okay, facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah, you need to grow up a bit. You need to realise that it, you've got a massive chip on your shoulder. Yes, you may have had racist things happen to you, but so have I. I've had ra- I, I've had racist things happen to me all the time. Like especially being a Tasmanian living in New South Wales. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very very true. I mean, it's it's. I, it's it's one of these things that you know it's like claiming that women can't be sexist. Uh, that's not true. Uh, any, thing, yeah. Any person can be anything, and that's the sad world we live in. But the majority of people aren't anything in terms of the majority of people aren't racist. The majority of people aren't sexist. It's just we highlight the rare instances when racism or sexism become a thing. And given we have a much larger platform to voice those concerns, it seems like it is a much bigger issue than it is. My argument always is, is on a general societal day-to-day life, human beings are coherent people who live in harmony, no matter what your skin colour, your gender, your sexuality, your sporting team preference, unless you go to Collingwood, that's just stupid. Uh, you know, it's it's we live in harmony. It's It's if one bad egg makes the whole world blow up and seem like we're in a, such a worse place than we are. And yeah, well, that's yeah, the yeah, frustrating yeah. thing. Do, do you know, I, I had a th- little bit of an epiphany yesterday. So a lot of people know this, man. I love watching documentaries. I love, like, especially on things like cults or like true crime. I love that sort of stuff. I, it, it's so fascinating. And uh, in 1993, there was a, a siege that happened that was a precursor to Waco. It was the Ruby Ridge yep. uh, siege. Uh, Randy Weaver. Great movie with Kirsten Dunst, by the way. Didn't, if, about not not it, often a sentence uh, uttered that often, but okay, go ahead. I know, I know, I know, I know. But anyways, anyways. So the what happened there was it was okay. Let, let's let's let, let's play uh, racist bingo. <laughs> so there was. Uh, police officers who didn't agree with the perpetrator's method. There was shots fired at innocent people. There was killings of females and children. And the, the police breaking all their protocols. Now, that's what they're saying that they only do to indigenous, uh, not indigenous, sorry, um, to African-Americans over in the States or to over here in indigenous. That, that only happens to black people. Yet they had a full-on siege where they had half a military unit on this per- on the, on this white family's property mm. just because Randy Weaver skipped out on a court date. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that he's a, Randy Weaver is an okay guy. He's a white supremacist asshole. But he was, you know, he lost his wife. He lost his son 
due to the incompetence of law enforcement. When I say incompetence, I say that that they were not trained appropriately. And that's that's all, like, when they say defund the police, I'm like, do you really want to have more untrained police officers roaming the streets? Or would you rather have give them a little bit more money and give them better training and better equipment? Yeah, and, yeah. And then you then you look at Waco. Okay, yeah, they, that, again, another stuff up of, of police and law enforcement uh, strategy and implementation of policy, where an entire, well, I think it was only six people survived the Waco fire after the sea, after the fourteen day siege, mm-hmm. and I'm just saying, and I'm just thinking, okay, the, the white people, white people, and and in this exact same time, uh, in this time frame, I think you would have had the O.J. Simpson chase. Yeah, similar I time don't period. Think, don't think he got shot. No, it's it is yeah, it's. It is a, it's a line, it's a tricky thing um, because, you know, when things like that happen, it, it's never that card is never played, is it? Um, and no. it's No. And yet if you show statistics around certain colours of people who are getting killed by police versus others, you know, you are, you are often shot down because, oh, that's not proportionate to the arrest numbers and all this kind of stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well... A lot of facts that are being dispelled by certain movements at the moment are also not being put ahead against other proportional things and things like that too. It's, it's again, it goes back to that point I said where where voices are louder now, so they can be heard more, and yeah. they 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 come across as one way or the other. Um, you know, I mean, you're you're always going to have bad eggs. You're always going to have bad things that are happening. You know, the sad, let's be honest, the sad fact is racism will never go away. It will never go away. You are always going to have idiots out there who have racist beliefs, racist ideals. It doesn't matter what color skin they are, they will have these opinions. And that is never yeah. going to go away. And but, the but thing you can do, though, is learn from it. You, you like, again, this is yeah. always like taking down a statue of somebody who maybe owned a slave or two or said something racist once or twice. That doesn't change racism. Changing the name of a cheese that is allegedly racist doesn't cure racism. It's just exactly. it's pointless things. Oh, Kneeling during a national anthem at a sporting event doesn't cure racism. It's a making a statement. I understand the point behind it. Whether you agree with it or not, that is your personal preference. If you don't agree with it, that doesn't make you a racist because you cannot be racist and not agree with something that somebody's doing that is supposedly doing to beat racism. And people need to get that through their heads. No, no, and we... Well, let's get this something really clear here as well. You and I differ quite quite differently on uh, our political stances. Yeah. Most of the time. Most okay? of it, yeah. you're, you're, you're fairly left, I'm fairly right. When I say that, we're, fair, we're, we're centre-right, centre-left. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We agree on this. <laughs> I I think, and this is this. We is, agree on this. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is this is like you and I constantly say this, and like, I love reading your Facebook posts because I love reading the comments. And this is this is again what I think is an important thing for. And again, most people know this. It's just the loud people who get their voices heard more that seemingly make it seem like we live in a world where we don't. Like you can have a different opinion to somebody and get along and still have a logical conversation about something, okay? And, you know, 
people might say, oh, you're, you're too white, man. You can't have an opinion on race. You don't know what it means. Well, no, that's not right. Like a human being with a voice, it doesn't matter who you are, can have an opinion on something. You know, opinions are like assholes. We've all got one. All right. Famous exactly. saying, it's true. Now, just because somebody doesn't agree with what I say doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong. Doesn't mean they're right or wrong. You know, there's a difference between having an opinion about an issue and then say having a fact. Like I can sit here right now and go, Josh, I'm looking outside the window and the sky is blue, right? Now, for the most part, the sky is blue. Okay, that's that's a fact. But if you're colorblind, it might be green. I don't know. Like that that's a difference. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. Whereas if I'm saying here, I believe the earth is flat, I mean, some might say that's an opinion, then, then, but then that's then also wrong. Because anyway, I don't know where I'm but going. Then you, with that. But, but but you know, like I understand that. Like like if you insert a Star Wars quote, many of the truths that we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Yeah. So so like for me, like I have witnessed racism going both ways, right? I've yeah, seen it. I've, I've had it happen to me. So I I have an opinion on it, but. Let's just say, uh, I can't even see sex. I've, I've been discriminated against multiple times for being a male. I, I have in, too. In in the workplace. Yes, me too. And in social and in social settings. Yep. So I, I I've felt that. Right. I've felt that. I have an opinion on it, and that's the thing. People think, oh, because you're this, doesn't mean that it hasn't happened to me. And it has qu- happened to you. Yeah, and the question has to be raised with that, Josh is that as a male, as a white person, if you are discriminated against because of your gender or your skin colour, if you supposedly can't be sexist, a woman can't be sexist or a black person can't be racist, then what are they being? What 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 are they doing? Well, that's it. That's it. What are they being? Do you want to call them a bully? Do you want to call them... Well, you, you think of a name that you can call a woman, right, for being sexist, and yet, then you're the bully for calling her a name, yeah, or for stating a fact. And this is where like, I, I thoroughly love Ben Shapiro's quote: uh, "Facts don't care about your feelings." Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I, like, I live on that. So, like, I don't care how you feel. If the fact is this, this is what it is. Yeah, you, you can you can change it. You can you can work. So, if you don't like something, work towards fixing it. Yeah, you think it's broken, work towards fixing it. Don't just sit there and bitch and moan about. Oh, I'm not happy with how the government is. Okay, join your local uh, your local political party that you align to. Get involved. Get in there. Do what you can do. Like if you if you don't feel like that, you can be a, a a politician. Become a lobbyist. It's not hard to be a lobbyist. Don't just go and stand in front of government house with a sign that says I'm a cry a crybaby because I don't like what you're doing. Like. That doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anybody. It just it just wastes a day. I'm not saying don't protest if you don't if like if you like, people's right to protest. Yes, that's fine. I just don't think it's effective, and I don't think it's going to work for anybody. Yeah, and I think for the most part, I mean, oh, don't get me wrong. There definitely have been protests and movements that have led to change that have you know uh, brought about. But I mean. On the topic of racism, uh, what did we have in the fifties and sixties? I mean, that led to change, and exactly. You know, and the thing like is, that. the change, the change has happened. Yeah, it's the, the issue that I see, and I see this mainly from my my work and what I see in the community, 
is the fact that there is some some groups, and I hate using groups because I'm the big big believer on group identity being an absolute crock of crap. Yeah. Where individual merit is is the penultimate. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But there are groups who refuse to pull themselves out of the mess that they are in. You give them every opportunity to fix their own problems. They do not take it. They expect someone else to do it for them. It's like, all right, how about you go to university and get a degree? Oh, I don't want to do that because it's too expensive. All right, we'll give you free university. Go to university. Oh, I don't want to do that. That means I can't get this. And it's just all this money gets thrown at people and they don't do anything. Yeah. And I like... And yeah, I agree with that. And I think also too, the point is, and this is a very cliched response, but I think this is the reason it's a cliched response is because it's the logical response that again, I would say the majority of people on this planet live by. And that is as a human being, I'm going to treat you the same, no matter who you are, I will respect you. If you respect me, if you treat me with kindness and respect, I will treat you with kindness and respect. If you're a dick to me and are an ass to me, I will be the same back to you. I don't care what you look like, what you do in your bedroom, you know, what you do, all this sort of stuff. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. You're, yeah. you're a person on this planet. We're all living the same life right now, and we're going to make the most of what we've got and what we're doing. And it's, to me, it's, yeah, it's really I, that I, simple. I've always said, like, stuff that... Uh, if you think about it, a lot of the stuff that people bitch and moan about these days is stuff that normally one would only talk about in the privacy of their own home. Yeah. Like, I, that's, I've never understood... Like, you know, I support all those who I know and love who are part of the LGBT community, right? However, I don't understand why they do... So, the the, the pride parades, right? If it was just, like, a, a parade where they're celebrating, say, culture or something like that, but it turned... Like, these parades turn out, like, you look at the Mardi Gras and that sort of thing. It's, instead, it's this... In, in, highly sexualized it's highly provocative it's highly promiscuous inducing uh, event it to me doesn't seem like they're celebrating pride it's just an excuse to go get drunk and have lots of like like casual sex that's that's my my point of view of it all and that's what i've seen i I don't agree with that necessarily but um... as, as i say that's just what i've seen and i'm I'm not saying pride parades can't happen. I'm just saying, why are they highly sexualized? Like, if, if it's about celebrating love, like, well, you go sex to a is wedding. Like, okay, okay. Like, for argument's sake, a wedding is a celebration of love, yet it's not sexualized. Uh, depends. You, wait till you come to our wedding. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put on a show for you, Josh. Um, look, look. I get what you. I get what you mean, and I mean this is definitely a topic you and I will vastly differ on. I, I think at the end of the day, for the most part, a pride or a Mardi Gras is is celebrating you know, that community and kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one day a year where they dress up, be flamboyant, go down the street and have a good old time. I mean, it, it you know, for the most part, that's the, the community goes out to that. You'll get a few onlookers in that. Again, it's kind of one of these things that, you know, it doesn't but, affect but, your but, life. It doesn't affect my life. Good on them. Let them go and do that. This, it's, you know. This illustrates my point though. It's something I don't agree with yet. I'm not going to post something on social media because I know it's someone's right to do so. Yeah. I'm not going to call someone out for going. It's just, you know what? That's your thing. Yeah. That's fine. That's not my thing. You do you. I do me. I respect you. I love you. 
respect me, hate me, do whatever, I don't care. But you do you. Yeah. Let me do me. And I'm not going to hate on you. I'm not going to say a damn thing about you. Same thing on me. It's just like that event, I don't agree with it. All good. I don't have to go to it. I don't have to watch it. You don't. No, that's that's very and true. That, and that's it. And that's it. Speaking uh, of... I was just going to say, in a very weird transition, Josh, on a segue here, speaking of events, the Hobart 2020 Olympics were recently brought up in conversation. Um, oh, yes. Now, yes. I just, I don't want to go too into detail of this because, you know, it was it was a bit of fun uh, since, I guess, our last episode. Uh, there was an article appeared in the Mercury, was interviewed about it, kind of bringing up the, the beloved 2020 Olympic bid. And I also did an interview recently on, well, when I say interview, it's a show that I co-host, so basically I force them into interviewing me about it. That's how arrogant I am, apparently. Um, talking about the Olympic bid and kind of how it all came to fruition. Do you remember back in like 2005 or whenever it was when we first muted this idea of the Hobart 2016 Olympic bid and kind of, it was just a silly little thing. I remember going home that night on MS Paint and drawing the worst logo ever as like a, lol, look at this, Hobart 2016, wouldn't that be funny, to what it turned into be. I mean, like, I, you I talk remember. about stupidity, Josh. People took this way too seriously. Come on. No, no, the stupidity level was very high. <laughs> I remember it was, we were in college still. Yeah. So we were, we, I think we Because it was in Killfield 2. Sorry to interrupt, but I remember in Killfield 2, when you pick up that newspaper, I've got Hobart 2016 bid gains momentum or something like that on the front page of the paper. Sorry. Do you you remember that we made a a bid video? Oh, God, yes. And we we reenacted certain historical Olympic oh, games. Oh, <laughs> which now I, like, I, 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 I've got that video in terms of the bid video, but I don't think I would have that footage of us creating, like, Hitler presenting gold medals to people. I do remember that, it, yes. It, it was to your alter ego who apparently had won every Olympic game that's since 19... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we draw a moustache on you and, like, basically did, like, a My Fuhrer side of thing? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's footage that I'm glad doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> no, but I just remember that... Okay, well, that, look at that. That wasn't us being racist. It's us being stupid But idiots. that's the type of thing that didn't exist. Somebody would dig that up now and all of a sudden be like, hey, you are being terribly racist. Like, no, we were taking the piss out of Hitler. Hmm. Some scrawny kid from New Norfolk. <laughs> that's, that's actually really funny. I could, yeah, like, I mean, I didn't forget, but I, it's kind of one of those things you remember. Because I found, not long ago, I think I found a bunch of old footage from Kill Fuel, like, in terms of I had saved the raw footage of us filming that. I think it's all on a bunch of DVDs back in my dad's house. But, um, yeah, the Olympic beer came around then, because that's when we had kind of done jab schoolies because remember we kind of we did the ec one then we kind of kept going with jab schoolies because pete and i got given a show then pete buggered off somewhere and then you and i kind of took it over um that's and, it yeah and then you i think you stepped away for a while because that's when joe came in and then that's when anthony came in and then anthony and i did it and then he left and then you came back in then you buggered off then anthony came. i went through so many co-hosts i can't remember half your names so but, uh, but i did co-host the most uh, well, actually, I've, I've got I've got that somewhere in front of me here. I can actually pull that up, Josh, to confirm. I think you might still be in second place. Uh, you are uh, on the official yeah. count. You are you are four ahead of Anthony. Uh, Dakota snuck up. Sam snuck up, 
And uh, Mallory is the one that's sneaking up right now when she bothers to show up for these. So uh, Yeah, but that's because you're doing it in Canada. If you were doing it here, I would so be doing it with you. Well, of course you would be. But uh, you're only six away from the century, so when we eventually can actually co-host a proper episode again, you'll be you'll be close to getting the triple digits, basically. Well, that'll be easy. We'll do, we'll do a bunch of episodes when I come to Canada. We, you, we definitely will. We definitely will. Uh, but it's just, it's interesting kind of with the Hobart Olympic bid, how that kind of, you know, 26 came about, 2020 came about, here we are, no no Olympics, you know, whatever. Um, and all of a sudden somebody brings it up for five seconds. I, I did love one of the comments on the Mercury uh, article where basically the person commented and said, if only these people could put their time into solving the homeless crisis rather than stupid bids. And I'm like, well, there you go. Maybe that's what we should have been doing the whole time, Josh, solving the homeless issue. Yes. How about we... Uh, I, I have, here's the issue. Here's how we can solve that issue and have the Olympic bid. We hire them as yes. workers. Yes. They will have money to then have a house. Or, or Josh, seems as racism has been cured by changing the name of cheese, we could, like, na- change the name of home hardware because that's offensive to homeless people, and then we would cure homelessness. Exactly. Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Exactly. Uh, careful, Josh. That's offensive to vegans, so don't say that right now. That's that's that's. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> cure veganism sorry, by sorry, getting not, rid of that, that sentence. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this to close. So I sent... I mean to a friend of mine who I'm a really good friend. He's a vegan, and I take the piss out of him. And it was a meme that said, well, "Every time I send me to the grocery store to get to grab a bottle of Vaseline, so the cashier doesn't think I'm a vegan." <laughs> wow, that's um. Yeah. Yep. Okay. On that note, Josh, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. And another fun show that we haven't been here for like five, six weeks, however long it's been. June. We didn't do an episode in all of July. There you go. Our bad. I think it's the first time we haven't done an episode in an entire month since like March last year or something ridiculous like that. So uh, apologies for that, everyone. But uh, we will strive our very best to bring you more episodes more frequently. That's what I'm trying to say. And hopefully Mallory will be back next week. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, even though we don't really post a whole lot for you to get excited about. But hey, it makes us feel good. And that's the main thing, right? Uh, And subscribe on all relevant channels and you can get your episodes delivered once every five or so weeks, whenever we deliver them as well. My name is Ben. Thanks for tuning into The Brink. Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart Victoria Cargill. And good night. (laughs) 